A very good morning to you listeners and fellow podcasters on this Wednesday morning, the 7th of July, 2021. Alrighty, so on the docket for us today, we have three topics that we'll talk about. Dealing with bad policy, doing the job and not just carrying the title, and having work-life balance. All three great topics that we've seen and dealt with throughout our lives and certainly in the workplace. Let's go ahead and dive right in and a Charlie Mike, shall we? All right, topic number one, dealing with bad policy. Um, so we've all worked at a job that has policy that seems like it's written for people to fail. Uh, that's pretty frustrating. How do you get around this? Uh, what do you do? First things first, you have to understand what and how that policy is written. Know the ins and out of it. Uh, really understand it. For example, you have a policy at your work that's designed for a person or a group of people to achieve a certain goal or rate per hour. Not not uncommon, you know, metrics. Um, businesses are driven by metrics. This may be difficult for some to achieve for whatever reason. Uh, maybe they just don't move as fast. Maybe they have a disability. That There's a number of reasons why people can't uh, hit hit a certain rate or a goal per hour or weekly or whatever whatever the metric is. Now, these employees are extremely hard workers. They have a great attitude. They're dependable. Uh, but the policy is written to give them a fair amount of uh, a fair amount of progressive discipline, which may in turn lead up to, unfortunately, a termination. Um, that's a rough, that's a pretty tough pill to swallow, especially especially for compassionate leaders out there who want to see people succeed. The way I see it is, you basically got two choices in the matter: invest extra time in teaching, coaching, and mentoring the ones that are having trouble meeting meeting their goals, in hopes that they can get the process down and eventually make that metric. If not, then try to move them within the department or even out of the department to a job that better fits their skill set. I know that uh, sometimes that's 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 possible. It takes a little extra work, but in the end, you're actually um, you're, you're doing right by that employee. Uh, again, you know you'll be smart if you get your local HR rep involved, so that way you can not only protect yourself but the employee also. That's that's what HR is there for. Okay, the second option. Is uh, takes takes a takes a lot greater greater work, but um, I, I can tell you this: uh, it, it it'll get you noticed pr- pr- pretty quick. Is being a champion for change uh, to either get the policy changed altogether or rewritten so that it's less stringent and more accommodating for employees that are trying to make an effort at doing a certain job or process. Um, you know, be a part of a project team that analyzes that that particular policy. You know, the ins and outs of a job and what it takes productivity-wise in order to get the job done and get it done done to standard. Um, you'll not only be helping your place of business, but the organization as a whole across the country or even globally. And that's huge when you can affect an organization at the local level, but but possibly on a, a national or or a global span. Uh, that that's real leadership right there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is this is where leaders also get recognized for doing the drill down work and getting rid of an antiquated policy and help create policies that are more all encompassing for different skill sets and abilities. Because uh, at the end of the day, we want to be all inclusive. You know, we don't want to we don't want to cater to a certain group of, of people or a certain group of skill sets. Uh, the best way to be is, is is fair all around the board for all employees across the organization. So again, 
Um, you know, to, 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 to sum up that topic, two, uh, two choices. You can either, um, you know, try to deal with, with that select group of employees, move them around, see, see what best, best fits their skill set, which I'm, I'm personally a big fan of. Uh, you know, no one wants anybody to fail. Uh, the, the, the graduate level work, so to speak, is the second option in making a change for the organization as a whole. Because when you're able to uh, affect an organization like that, that's where the real work is. Okay? All right. Moving on to topic number two, doing the job and not just carrying the title. <laughs> boy, oh boy, I, I, I would like to have a discussion with a few people um, on, uh, you know, how many people out there just like to, you know, carry uh, the, the title and, and want none of the responsibility uh, that comes along with, with said title. Uh, we, we, we've all been in We've all been in organizations and know people that do that. Uh, so there's been a growing movement in the last three to five years, I'd say, between Generation Xers, Millennials, and Generation Z, or the I generation is now, as they're being called. Uh, it seems that supervisors, managers, and, and the upper echelons of organizations' leadership are only getting younger. Long gone are the days where Bob, you know, that grew up in cubicle number eight that started out as, as, as the janitor, is now the senior VP of the company. I'm being silly, of course, but you do have you do have stories out there where somebody has started as, you know, uh, at the, the the lower echelons of that company, and now they are, you know, very very senior in leadership over the you know 25 30 year span. You're not seeing that too much anymore. Um, companies are are doing more in hiring from the outside versus promoting from within. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, nothing wrong with that at all. However. Now and again, you have individuals that think they will be part of a senior, uh, the senior management in that organization with, within their first year. Uh, personally, that's unrealistic. Um, you do have talent out there that is just amazing at what they do. And, um, you know, the, the, the diamond in the rough, so to speak. Um, co- companies, ba- you know, uh, promote based on merit, performance, and competency. Well, at least that, that's the way it's supposed to work, right? That's the way, that's the way we've been taught that, uh, you know, you do a good job, you're competent at your job, uh, you're dependable, and based on, based on your merit, that's, that's when you get promoted. That's the way it's supposed to work, right? Tongue-in-cheek, I, I, I can hear everybody out there laughing and huffing. You know, we'll, that, that'll be a discussion for another day. All right. Uh, now, what does all this have to do with this topic? All right, sweet. I'm glad you asked. If you supervise or manage employees like the like like this, uh, there's one there was one effective way to deal with a person or group of people that want the title yet none of the responsibility or work that goes along with that particular job title. Um, it, it, guys, I, I wish I had some other uh, pontification for you, but it, it basically boils down to this: performance management. This is the best way to deal with those that uh, are content with titles and not having to do the actual work involved that comes with positions of greater responsibility. Well, what the hell is a title anyway? I mean, manager, senior executive, uh, you know, I, I find in the workplace that every, everybody loves titles. Okay, well, your titles, your, your, let, me, let, me, let me just be real with you for a minute. Your title doesn't mean a damn thing if you're not taking care of your team, you're not taking care of people. And you're not um, you're not carrying yourself as a leader should, you know. Your title doesn't mean anything. Uh, you can you, you can be called uh, 
you know, the president of the United States. But if, if that uh, if that particular person that's at the helm is not doing what they said they're going to do or, or, or not doing what they should be doing to take care of uh, a group of people, an entire country, the free world, whatever you want to call it, um, then the title's worthless. Yeah, that, that's how I feel about it. Uh, you have to make certain that they're set up for success. Um, I'm talking about the, 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 the people that you're trying to performance manage with the proper tools to do their job. Things like training, teaching, coaching, mentoring, all that stuff comes into play when ensuring that you make someone um, accountable for the job that they hold. Why is that important? Well, at some point, you know that employee um, that, that employee will do some some substandard work. You'll need to document that and then talk to their progress or lack thereof. If this escalates, then HR will no doubt have to get involved. That way you can be protected and ensure that you are following, quote unquote, the process. Every organization has a process when it comes to, to, to performance management. And if it comes down to a termination or a demotion, you have documented proof that the employee in question is not the right fit for that job. I would do a preemptive strike and check with your HR department to make sure that you are using all the correct verbiage and following your company's performance management policy to a T. I always, I've always been taught document, document, and document. Dates, times, places, etc. You'll be able to tell a story and recall key events that will support your case. Remember, wrongful termination lawsuits, ladies and gentlemen, cost companies millions and millions a year because proper procedures were not followed. Things fell through the cracks. Um, you didn't run... You know, you didn't run that uh, that write-up by HR and make sure that uh, all the buzzwords were used. You guys know what I'm talking about. You, you know, just go, go check with your HR department. I guarantee you they have a template for everything. I know, I know my company does. Um, I wish there was I, I wish there was an easier way to deal with such such a tough matter, but unfortunately, you, you gotta make that person or group of people do their jobs in order to find out uh, that they're not suited for that job. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt with documented facts that you can prove is key. Also, the key is to not get anyone fired. Maybe the person uh, that has the title, so to speak, is just green. You know, wet behind the ears, so to speak. Needs needs someone to take them under their wing. That's the best case scenario. Um, on, on, on the uh, other end of the spectrum, you may have someone that's just abusive, arrogant, and wants to sit on high and, you know, on their own personal fiefdom uh, to exercise power with little to no experience in leading themselves, much less a team. And that's a bigger issue of toxicity. And that, that, that kind of cancer, mm -hmm. guys, it just honestly just needs to be cut from the company's vernacular. Now, this is where a good leader separates him, him or herself from a, from a mediocre leader. Again, got to do the work. Um, you know, if leadership was easy, then everybody would be doing it, right? Um, it, it's just... That's just what you have to do. Performance, man performance management is key. You, know, you have, uh, like I said, the two types to, to sum up. You may have somebody that's green or that's very inexperienced. That's that's the easy part. You can, all, you know, people for the most part are teachable. They're coachable. Uh, they love to learn. Um, you know, I, I've, I've dealt with situ uh, you know situations and scenarios like, hey man, you know what what's the deal? That person just didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't know what they didn't know, and that's totally fine. Um, the other end of the spectrum, like I just said, you may have somebody that just wants to feel important, but cares nothing about the responsibility, the ownership of that position. Get those guys gone from your uh, organization. 
Um, that that is a disease waiting to spread, and you know you'll you'll suffer some attrition uh, if you if you don't do that. I promise you. All righty, moving on to our third and final topic this morning. Topic number three, having work-life balance. Boy, oh boy, how many times have we had to even think about having work-life balance? This is a tough one. This is a tough one to achieve. It, it, it seems rather easy, um, but it, it, it talks a little bit, a little bit better than it than, than, uh, looks good. It looks good on paper, so to speak, better than you can actually um, execute it. So let, let's 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 kind of break this down and figure out how we can we can uh, achieve this. Okay. All right. So with having work work life balance, um, with the United States being the most overworked country in the world, how does one have work life balance? We talk a good game about it, but do we really do well at the execution portion of it? Um, I happen to think we don't, uh, and, and me included. I, 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 need, uh, I definitely need to recalibrate myself when it comes to this topic. In an article from Forbes magazine, award-winning freelance journalist Ms. Deborah Jean Lee gives us six tips for uh, better work-life balance. Forbes is a really, really good um, magazine as far as this is not a plug for them. I don't, I don't get paid or anything like that. These are, these are just things that I find in my research. Um, so when I, when I bring you guys topics or, sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. When you guys bring me topics and I do my research, um, I try to, I try to add little tidbits in there to where you can actually go and, 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 and look up these things for yourself. Uh, plus there are a lot of other hardworking leaders out there, um, that, you know, want to get their name out there. And, uh, you know, I appreciate collaboration on any level. So, um, Mrs. Ms. Lee, let's, let's see what she's got to say here. So number one, let go of perfectionism, man, that's a tough one, uh, especially for those of us that are super type A and control freaks and stuff like that. And, you know, um, a lot of overachievers develop perfectionist tendencies at young age when demands on their time are limited to school hobbies and maybe an after school job. So it's easier to maintain that perfectionist habit as a kid. But when you grow up, and life gets more complicated, it gets more messy. As you climb the ladder at work, and as your family grows, your responsibilities mushroom. You know, standard fact, right? Perfectionism becomes out of reach. And if that habit is left unchecked, it can become destructive, says executive coach Marilyn uh, Pewter York. Um, th- that's, let's think about that statement for, for a minute. Perfection come, becomes out of reach, and if that habit is left unchecked, it can become destructive. Guys, it can become toxic to your life. Uh, and, and it, uh, for those of us that are control freaks, uh, type A's, super, super high functioning, um, that's a tough pill to swallow, okay? The key to avoid burning out is to let go of perfectionism. Uh, as life gets more expanded, it's very hard, both neurologically and psychologically, to keep that habit of perfection going. Um, adding, adding that the healthier option is to strive not for perfection, but for excellence, not striving, not for, for perfection, but for excellence. I think that's, that's pretty decent advice. All right. Point number two, unplug from telecommunicating programs to, uh, that make work easier. Technology has helped our lives in many, many ways, but is, it has also created expectations of constant accessibility, Um, You know, that nasty thing that we call VPN, that we can work from a coffee shop, we can work, hell, we can work from our car, we can work from, 
you know, the basement, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing now with this podcast. Um, the workday never seems to end. There are times when you should just shut your phone off and enjoy the moment, uh, says Robert Brooks, a professor of psychology at Harvard, Medi- Harvard Medical School. Uh, Brooks says that the phone notifications interrupt your off time and inject an undercurrent of stress in your, in your system. So don't text at your kid's soccer game and don't send work emails while you're hanging out with family, Brooks advises. Uh, make quality time true quality time. Okay, by not reacting to the updates from work, you will be developing a stronger habit of resilience. Resilient people feel a greater sense of control over their lives, uh, says Brooks, when while reactive people have less control and more prone to stress. I, I, I you know, that's that's super, super interesting. I've met uh, a couple friends of mine that when not- notifications on the phone just freak them out completely freak them out because it's like, oh my God, there's a, you know, there's a little red dot that says three up, you know, up, up on, uh, you know, a social media app or an email app. And, you know, I've got to check it. I can't just leave it. I can't leave it undone. Um, that's, you're letting the machine control you. It's supposed to be the other way around. You control the machine. So unplug. Three, exercise and meditate. Even when we're busy, we make time for the crucial things in life. We eat, we go to the bathroom, we sleep, and yet one of our most crucial needs, exercise, is often the first thing to go when our calendars fill up. Exercise is an effective stress reducer, guys. It pumps feel-good endorphins through your body. It helps lift your mood, and it can even serve as a one-two punch by also putting you in a meditative state. I, for one, I need exercise. I've been a little under the weather lately, so... You know, my gym routine's been kind of hosed up a little bit, but that's no excuse. I'm on the mend. Uh, when I go to the gym, it is a men- it's a it's a mental clearing slate for me. Like I, I go do a, you know one good hard hour in the gym, and I come back. I feel refreshed. I feel renewed. The reset button has been hit, and I I try to leave all the 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 yuck, so to speak, that I call. I try to leave it there on the weight bench, there on the elliptical machine, there on the the, the treadmill, whatever it is. Um, it is it is the best mental medicine for me. I get it. Not a lot of other people's jams. I totally get it. Uh, cardio is the work of Satan for some people. That's cool. Find whatever find whatever suits you. Maybe you want to go sit in the sauna for twenty minutes. Maybe you want to go swim a couple laps. It doesn't matter. Whatever suits you, that, just try it. All I'm asking you to do is just try it. Okay. Um, Peter York uh, recommends um, dedicating a few chunks of time each week to self-care. Now, that, that, it, I've always laughed at that. Uh, I've always laughed at that um, phrase, self-care, because it's, as soon as I think of, of self-care, I'm thinking of myself, you know, covered in an avocado mask with cucumbers over my eyes in a, in a terry cloth robe somewhere. It's just a funny phrase to me. So I get it. Um, whether it's exercise, yoga, meditation, whatever the case may be. And if you're really pressed for time, start small with deep breathing exercises during your commute. A quick five-minute meditation session in the uh, you know, morning and night or uh, you know, replace, replacing drinking alcohol with, with a healthier form of stress reduction. Um, whatever the method is, just make sure it's, health, it's a healthy choice and not one that will add to your frustration or make you more stressed than you already are. Makes sense, right? Um, that would, uh, you know... Uh, all that would certainly negate everything you're trying to do uh, better to, to better your situation. 
Exercise and meditate, guys. There's a number of forms. Some people use journaling. Some people use, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, those of you that are working from home, um, set a timer. Go for a five to ten minute walk down your sidewalk. Get some fresh air, you know, get some sun on your face. There's a, there's a ton of, ton of ways to do that. All right, moving on. Uh, point number four, limit time-wasting activities in people. Jeez, my gosh. Um Okay, let, let, let's break this one down, certainly. First, identify what's most important in your life. This list will, will, defer, will, um, this list will differ for everybody. So make sure it truly reflects your priorities, not someone else's. They have to fit your lifestyle, guys, okay? Who, who the hell cares uh, about Jeff's and Becky's and, you know, next to you? They're, that, they're your priorities. Next, draw firm boundaries so you can devote quality time to these high-priority people and activities. From there, it'll be easier to determine what needs. Uh, what, it, it'll be easier to determine what needs to be trimmed from that schedule. If email or internet surfing tends, you know, sends you into a time-wasting spiral, establish rules to keep you on task. That may mean turning off email notifications and replying in batches during limited times each day. If you're mindlessly surfing Facebook, we all do it. We all do it, guys. It doesn't have to be Facebook. It can be Snapchat. It can be Instagram. It can be whatever. Or cat blogs for for you animal lovers out there. Uh, When you should be getting work done, try using productivity software like Freedom, Leech Block, or Rescue Time. Okay, I'm going to pause there for a couple seconds. What is that, you might be asking? So those are, those are apps or things you can install either on your mobile devices, your computers, um, that will tell you, hey, this is where your time is gone. This is what, this is what websites you're going to, you know, and it gives you a breakdown of where you're spending your time. It's pretty shocking, actually. Uh, you know, you can sit there and be like, man, that for 37 minutes I just surfed Facebook and, you know, looked at a bunch of stuff about, you know, going on in other people's lives versus you know, getting all my reports and the, the, the stuff that actually pays me money from my job to do, right? And if you find your time being um, gobbled up by less constructive people, find ways to diplomatically limit these interactions. Concerned every morning by the, by the office chatterbox, politely excuse yourself. Even if you have to, even if you have to make an excuse, hey, bud, uh, hey, Bob, I, I, I really got to get this report done. You know, the you know, boss man is expecting it here in like 30 minutes. Do whatever you have to do. Just politely excuse yourself. Don't be rude. There's ways to do that. Um, but, you know, life draining and life sucking people, we all know them. Guys, we have them in the office. We have them everywhere. Uh, but it's, 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 you know, um, it's uh, very, very bad when you have them at work. Okay. Uh, drinks with the work gang, you know, after, 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 uh, at night before a busy or important day, you know, bow out, get a good night's sleep. You know, you gotta make, you gotta make tough choices sometimes. Hey, I, I like, I like a couple of, I like a couple of bourbons every, every now and then with the, with the gang. But, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you don't have uh, competing requirements that, that are more important uh, than that. Okay. Focus on the people and activities that reward you the most. Uh, to some, this may seem selfish, but it isn't selfish, says Rob, uh, Robinson. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's the whole airplane metaphor. If you have a child, you put the oxygen mask on yourself first, not the child. When it comes to being a good friend, spouse, parent, or worker, the better you are yourself, 
the better you're going to be in all those areas as well. And I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. The better you are for yourself, the better you're going to be for somebody else or a team or whoever. Um, I, I firmly believe that. Like, um, you know, I've had a, I've, I've seen a lot of therapy in, in the last, you know, 15 years of my life, and I've had to learn some some pretty hard life lessons at, at age 48. And uh, the aha moment, connecting the dots, whatever little cliche you want to use, it is it is correct. Um, you you can't be good for a team or you know a relationship or or, or your your spouse, your partner, whoever you know whatever whoever's in your life until you're you're good for yourself. Um, so just, just take that with a grain of salt and uh, we, we can chat about it offline if you'd like, uh, you've got my, you've got my contact information. Okay. Uh, number five, change the structure of your life. Sometimes we fall into a rut and assume our habits are set in stone. Take a bird's eye view of your life and ask yourself, what changes would make my life easier? What can I do to affect that myself? Uh, Pewter York remembers meeting with a senior executive woman who, for 20 years of her marriage, arranged dinner for her husband every single night. But as the but but as the higher earner with the more demanding job, the trips to the grocery store and daily meal preparations were adding too much stress to her life. Totally see that. Uh, my response to her was, "Maybe it's time to change the habit." Recalls Pewter York. Um, the executive worried th- uh, that her husband might be upset. Um, Pewter York insisted that if she wanted to reduce stress, this structural change could accomplish just that. So instead of trying to do it all, focus on the activities you specialize in and value the most. Delegate or outsource everything else. Delegation can be a win-win situation. In the workplace, I can tell you what, delegation equals development. If you give somebody, if you delegate a task to somebody, they're going to be forced to learn. They're going to be forced to grow. Uh, so, so keep that in mind. I'm, I'm a big, big fan of uh, delegation. That doesn't mean, you know, get people to do your job for you. No, spread the wealth. Teach people how to teach people how to do your job because you should never be one deep in anything. Okay, so the last uh, subpoint for um, the sixth and final uh, subpoint for work life balance is start small and build from there. We've all been there, right? Crash diets to fizzle out. New Year's resolutions, we forget by February. My gosh, I, I can't tell you how many how many times I've experienced that. Um, it, it's the same with work-life balance when we take on too much too quickly. Many workaholics commit to drastic changes, cutting their hours from 80 hours to a week to 40, bumping up their daily run from zero miles a day to five miles a day. It's a recipe for failure, guys. It's a recipe for disaster. Um, take one instance of a person who will always be absent from his family dinners. Uh, this person vowed to begin attending the meals nightly. Instead, start smaller. Uh, begin with one evening a week, and eventually this will lead up to two or three dinners per week. It makes the it makes the item that you're trying to change seem doable and not so gargantuan in task. Um, if you're trying to change a certain script in your life, start small and experience some success. Build from there and experience some little wins. You know, nothing, it, it's nothing to, uh, to um, uh, what am I trying to say? It's nothing too crazy to try to, to comprehend. You know, it's not like, not like the Pythagorean theorem or anything like that. Uh, you know, start small, experience some, some small wins. And once you start to gain steam, once you start to, you know, have that feel-good endorphin, like, you know what, I think I can do this. I think I can uh, insert more time to where I can 
I can, uh, you know, spend more time with family or friends or whatever, whatever it is you're trying to do. I know that sounds terrible. Uh, I don't think that, you know, you know, we don't wake up, we don't wake up uh, and look at ourselves in the mirror every day and say, you know what, gee, how can I get out of spending time with, with, with people or whatever? I, I generally, I generally think people wake with a good heart. Okay. So again, start small, build from there, little wins, boom, got it. All right, sweet guys. Look, we we went over some really really cool topics today, and I, and, and I hope you've enjoyed your, uh, you know, uh, enjoyed your time. You know, as always, it, it's been great spending time with you uh, here during my podcast. Keep those topics coming and flowing in, and uh, we'll keep discussing them, breaking them down, the critical elements that you know to being a good leader, and what it takes to either take yourself and or your team to new levels of success. As always, check me out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or leave me a message or text to my Google Voice number, 509-255-3659. Again, that number is 509-255-3659. I always, always, always enjoy collaborating with you guys, uh, talking about interesting topics that will make you, me, us, everybody better, because that's what it's all about. It's all about progression, right? Remember, leaders never quit, and certainly quitters never lead. We get paid to make tough calls, decisions, and do what's right for teams and people alike. Think of how you want to be led. Remember that, okay? Fairly, impartially, and with your best interests at heart. Do your homework, take care of your team, take care of each other, and always, Charlie Mike. Bye now.